What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, we're going to take a look at both Premier League games for tomorrow. Take a deep dive, give you guys some leans for each game. It's time. The Premier League is finally back. Let's get into it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. All right, so like I said, two games tomorrow. And frankly, you know, if there were other sports going on, we probably wouldn't do as deep a dive and take things so slow in soccer. But look, nothing else is going on right now. I mean, we talked about this yesterday. Baseball expected to be the first major American sport back. That's not till early July. So we've got some time now to sit back, really do a deep dive with some of these soccer takes and some of these soccer games uh, that are coming up. So that's what we'll do tomorrow. And before, like I said, if this were the old show or maybe other sports were going on, what we might have done before is, you know, three bullet points for each Premier League team or something like that. But we've got plenty of time to break these team these uh, teams down in depth. So we're going to do that going into uh, the two games tomorrow. We've got Aston Villa taking on Sheffield United and Arsenal taking on Man City. So we'll go through all four teams right now, do a bit of a deep dive, let you guys know how they're coming back from the break, uh, what each team should look like, and I will give a lean for each game tomorrow as well. So let's start off with the first game, Aston Villa taking on Sheffield United. That game will be uh, 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern, uh, Aston Villa and Sheffield. Now, before we get going with these handicaps and breaking these teams down, it is important to remember that one of the main changes, pretty much the most important change coming back from the the coronavirus uh, lockdown uh, break is that each team will have five substitutions instead of three. So previously, each team got up to three subs. Once you hit three, you were done subbing. Now that number's five. This really matters. Also on the bench, it's increased now from seven bench players to nine bench players. So this is going to make a huge difference, more of a difference for the better, deeper, uh, you know, more skilled teams at the top of the table. So this is certainly not an advantage that is going to be used the same for every team. And we'll talk about that while we're breaking down some of these, uh, some of these, these teams coming up for tomorrow's games. But that's a huge change. Five subs, not three from every game here on out in the Premier League. So as I said, Aston Villa taking on Sheffield United. Uh, let's start there. Aston Villa is... Let's see, where is this game actually being played? Probably should have that. Yeah, this is at Aston Villa. So they are the home team. But Villa has really been struggling so far this year. They are currently 19th out of 20th in the Premier League. They've given up the most goals in the league. And before the break, they were one of the most inconsistent teams in the entire Premier League. Lots of mistakes, unfortunate injuries, no real pace. When they got the ball, last year when you would watch Aston Villa in the championship, they moved. They got the ball, moved it from the back to the midfield to the forwards, very seamlessly. They were quick. They had pace. You're seeing none of that this year. And if you're going to play such bad defense, you need to counter it with some offense, right? That's what we were talking about with Arsenal. That's not what Aston Villa is doing. After getting promoted to the Premier League last year, Aston Villa loaded up on transfers. They spent a lot of money on new players, but that's a gamble. Now, hopefully what the, the idea is, is that these guys are going to come together, play well, but that doesn't always happen. It's a gamble because it takes a while for players to learn how to play together i.e. Fulham. You know, Fulham did the same thing after getting relegated from the Premier League to the Championship last year. They went out and got players, got uh, 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 Knockard from Brighton. They kept Alexander Mitrovic. I mean, they loaded up Tom Carney at midfield. They were like an all-star team in the in the Championship. I thought they would easily win it and get promoted, but they, they really struggled as well. 
Why? Because it takes a while for these players to gel to learn how to play. You can't just pick the best players, put them on the same you know field, and and and, and see results. For all my basketball fans out there, the same thing kind of happens in the NBA. You see these big-time trades. It doesn't click immediately. Sometimes it takes time for these guys to learn how to play together. For Aston Villa in goal, uh, that's going to be a big question mark because while they did get a couple guys back from injury, their goalie, Tom Heaton, is still out. And that's going to be a big, big factor for Aston Villa. Tom Heaton's a top-10 goalie in the Premier League. And missing him already with this bad defense, will not be a good sign. He's going to be replaced by Pepe Rina or Orjan Nyland, but neither really near the same caliber as Tom Heaton. Now, the good news for Villa is John McGinn will be returning from a long injury. He's their best midfielder. They had a huge gap in the midfield and he was gone. But this should help because uh, the midfielder who filled in for him, Marvelous Nkamba, was really playing well. I mean, he was probably the most improved player the last two months of the season for uh, Villa. So now you add Nkamba, just slide him over a spot, you put John McGinn back in midfield, that should immediately fix things and change things, at least for the midfield pacing and positioning for uh, Villa. So they're healthier midfield. Everywhere else is a question mark right now, and I'm not feeling too good about Aston Villa at all. Uh, Let's move on to Sheffield. Sheffield United is the single most surprising team this entire year. They have one less game played than most other teams. They've played 28 games. Most other Premier League games have played 29. So with a win and with the same amount of games played as everyone else, Sheffield United would move to fifth place in the Premier League. Yeah, you heard me right. Fifth in front of Man United. We're talking about the best defense in the entire league in terms of goals allowed behind Liverpool. This is a very, very good team. But how have they done it, right? You look at the roster... And you start scratching your head because it's really a collection of players who were previously not very good, not very well known, but they all get into Chris Wilder's system and immediately it clicks and they thrive. I mean, I will give Chris Wilder and whoever's building that team over there at Sheffield so much credit. It's like the Patriots in football. They don't need all-stars. They just need guys who fit their system. And man, do these players ever fit uh, uh, Chris Wilder's system. Now, remember, Sheffield runs a very unique 3-5-2. They're one of the few teams in the Premier League who runs three defenders at the back, but it works very well. They get those five guys in midfield to easily draw back, and they're a tough defense to break down. Now, they were hot before the break. They had only lost two of their previous 13 games, talking about Sheffield United. Those losses were to Liverpool and Man City. They remain injury-free. They should come back rested. And and it's something to note that, yes, Aston Villa did need this break because they were a little banged up. They weren't playing very well, right? For, for, for teams who were struggling, it's nice to hit that reset button, i.e. Aston Villa. But for teams like Sheffield United, you don't like to take the momentum away that you had. But it is positive because Sheffield didn't use a lot of subs, especially defense and midfield. So all of those guys, all of their defenders, by the way, played every single game this season. So while some may argue that Sheffield, it's a negative because they were so hot, I will say it's negated. It's It's a wash because... They needed a break. They needed a rest. Everyone was playing every game for for Sheffield, and they got lucky with no injuries before this all this all happened. So, they need to work on off. I mean, look if you're if you're going to look for one thing that Sheffield needs to work on, it, it's got to be offense and and finishing. But so far, they haven't needed to. As long as this defense remains to be one of the best in the league, they should finish at least fighting for European soccer. Uh, their goalie, Dean Henderson, is back next year, so that's also good news for them. I mean, 
you know, you don't like to make too much from the off field or the 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 headlines, but their goalie Dean Henderson, who's on loan from Man United, will be back next season. So just more good news there for Sheffield United. So looking at this entire matchup, okay, let's look at how these teams match up against one another. As we said, Aston Villa, a team who was reeling, they used the break to get healthy, well, healthier. And adjust a few things. Sheffield United was hot, didn't need the break, but as I just mentioned, it's not necessarily a negative because they had a lot of players who were playing a lot of minutes. So how do we quantify this? How do we actually break this down and get an idea of what to expect after the break? Well, I went in and I gave ratings for each player and I actually did more of a combination rating system where I gather ratings from four or five different areas and combine them with my own player ratings. And you go player by player, team by team, and come up with a mass set of ratings, both pre-break and post-break. Then we take a collective average. How do those players perform individually, right? Positive, negative. And overall, what we see is it is positive for Villa. But the negative factors for Sheffield United are actually quite small. They did need the break to rest their players, to make sure everyone in this effective system doesn't get you know doesn't get hurt or, or stays rested. And I do think that Aston Villa may have about a five to seven percent advantage from the break, but that's not nearly enough of an advantage to overcome some of the pricing we're seeing for tomorrow's game. Now, in the last eight years, these two teams have played seven times. Aston Villa has only won once. Surprisingly, they're scoring three and a half goals per game in those matchups. So a lot of people might think, Aston Villa, Sheffield, they know each other well. You look at this great defense for Sheffield, you may expect a lower scoring game. And that simply has not been the case lately with these two teams. Make no mistake, Aston Villa and Sheffield United know each other well, which means no surprises. And with no surprises, the better team with the better system should have the advantage, okay? Now, we know this, but the question is, how much of an advantage? Sheffield United has won or drawn every game in the first half in those last eight years. Both teams approach this game with caution, right? Now, we know the scoring goes up, but they approach the game with caution. And now, we have even more of a reason to expect that, especially in the first half, because the tentativeness. This is each each team's first game back. Right now, what I'm seeing, the price for draw no bet in the first half for Sheffield United is minus 150. And I think we have a slight lean here for Sheffield. Again, better team, better system. They're healthy. They're fighting for a spot to play in European soccer next year. And let's let's clarify what that means because we're going to be talking about that for Arsenal too in the next game. In the Premier League, there are 20 teams. Now, we're going to go ahead and assume, for the sake of this, that a Premier League team will win the FA Cup. Premier League teams almost always win the FA Cup. The FA Cup is a, 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 a English, a UK tournament. And the rule is, if a Premier League team wins the FA Cup, then the Premier League gets one additional team into European soccer. Now, what does European soccer mean? The top four teams in the Premier League will go on to play in the Champions League. The Champions League is a collection of the best teams in Europe, okay? Put on by UEFA. So right now, if the season ended today, Liverpool, Man City, Leicester City, and Chelsea would play Champions League soccer next year. The teams in the five and six spot would play Europa soccer. So it's still European soccer. It's still a big tournament. It's not on the quite the level of the Champions League, but it's just one slight level below that. It's called Europa. Number five and number six 
go every year to Europa from the Premier League. Now, if, again, if the table ended today, if the, if the season ended today, Man United, number five, and the Wolverhampton Wonders, number six, would go on to play Europa. So it's very important for these teams to finish in the top six to play European soccer next year, be it in the Champions League or Europa, okay? And there's also one more reason. Teams get prize money. Teams get paid based on where they finish in the season. So if you finish in first place in the Premier League, you'll make more money than the second place team. And that, that team will make more money than the third place team, so on and so forth. So the better you finish, the more money your team gets. So it's very important for teams like Sheffield United, who right now, if they win, they're in fifth place and would be slotted to play Europa Soccer next year. That is a massive accomplishment for a team that was in the championship, which is the second level of English soccer just one year ago. So this is a huge game uh, in terms of the, the 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 placing. I think Sheffield United does have an edge there in the first half. Uh, draw no bet first half minus 150 for Sheffield United. All right, let's move on to the second game tomorrow. The second of two. Man City will be taking on Arsenal. This game will be played at Man City. Uh, this game is at 12.15 p.m. Uh, Pacific and 3.15 Eastern. Uh, let's start off with Man City. Believe it or not, this is the first time all year that Man City's going to be healthy. Laporte and Leroy are finally back, and you can actually expect to see a lot of changes from what we lost, who, from who we last saw uh, Pep Guardiola put out there. Also, remember the five-sub rule? This is going to greatly benefit teams like Man City. Man City using five subs is quite different than a team like Brighton or Southampton doing the same. So we automatically have to upgrade teams like Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal too, but not as much of a bump. I mean, Arsenal has a couple guys they can bring off the bench, but you look at Man City, I mean, Man City could take their bench players and probably make a Premier League team that wouldn't get relegated. We're talking serious, serious talent on the bench for Man City. So for them and Liverpool, teams like that, it's it's a big advantage. Now, we know how good and organized Man City is. The real question to me is, how much of a distraction is the off-field issues? Because Man City's coming back healthy, as I just said, healthier than they've been all season. They're motivated because they're only in second place right now by a few points ahead of uh, Leicester City, by four points. They need to win. If Man City slips right now, this could be a disastrous end of the season for, for the citizens. So, Man City needs to win. They certainly have... Uh, some you know some some reasons to to, to come back and, and and play well, play strong. So the real question, like I said, is will the off the field issues be a distraction? To remind everyone what those off the field issues are, UEFA is imposing a two year ban on Man City for financial fair play rules. This two year ban will keep them from playing in European soccer which they are guaranteed pretty much to be playing in. So there's a huge appeal going on right now in part, well, by Man City, and the appeal's still up in the air. I think after the appeal's over, we'll be able to t- judge and, and get a feel for what's going on in the locker room for Man City if these players are going to respond. But right now, I mean, players are already talking about leaving if Man City gets banned. The most notable is Kevin De Bruyne. So if he's talking about leaving and there's distractions, things like that, that's not going to be good for Man City. But again... Let's say Pep Guardiola puts out, you know, puts uh, Kevin De Bruyne out there. It looks like he's slacking, not playing very hard. In the past, that may have been an issue, but with five subs, it's not. They're going to yank him as quick, you know, as quickly as he got out there and and put in someone who wants to play. So I think by the nature of the subs, it doesn't matter if if it's going to be an issue because a I don't really believe it will be, but b if it is, Pep 
Guardiola has a lot of leeway there, and I think he's going to use uh, those subs very effectively. Let's talk about Arsenal. Arsenal this season has been the definition of inconsistent. Arsenal scores and gives up goals. We know this, okay? That, that's who they've always been. But in the offseason between last year and this year, when they went out and acquired David Luiz from Chelsea, added to their growing defense, I thought a change of order was in store for Arsenal. Man, was I wrong. As we sit today, Arsenal is in ninth place, just 13 points above the relegation zone. Now, I know that you can always paint that picture and make things look weird with the relegation zone and the points, but let me give you guys an idea, okay? Because yes, it's true, Arsenal's just 13 points above the relegation zone. And to give you an idea of, of, of exactly where they are where they are in the table in relation to other teams, Leicester City is currently in third place with a bigger points gap between them and Arsenal than Arsenal and Bournemouth, and Bournemouth's in 18th place. So again, Leicester, who's in third, has a bigger points gap between them and ninth place Arsenal than is a gap between ninth place Arsenal and 18th place AFC Bournemouth. Arsenal right now is in that middle cluster of teams who's very average in the Premier League. This is rarely where you see Arsenal at this point in the season. So this year, although we have seen a lot of changes for Arsenal, I mean, it's been a turbulent year for them. They changed managers. Remember the beginning of the year, they had three or four players get carjacked during games? Then they had that awful breakup with uh, Grant Xhaka, one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. They were finally, finally, after all that nonsense, gaining momentum. The last eight games before the lockdown, they hadn't lost in eight games. So it's important to remember that Arsenal was playing well. They were finally clicking. They didn't need this break at all. This was a horrible time for the break for Arsenal. We just talked about the money distribution at the end of the season, depending on your final plays and Europa, things like that, the prize money. Well, that's not more apparent for any team right now than Arsenal. As we said, the top six teams will get into play Europe, uh, Europe soccer. Well, Arsenal right now in ninth place is four points behind that that uh, sixth place. Excuse me, three points behind that sixth place spot. So there, there's going to be a really, really fierce battle for five and six in between... Manchester United, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Sheffield United, Tottenham, and Arsenal. I believe those five teams have a shot to get the five and six seed in the Premier League. But Arsenal right now, they're three points back and they have to jump Tottenham. They have to jump Sheffield United. They have to jump the Wolves. So it's not just one team. Arsenal needs to win while these other teams are losing. So it's really, really a must-win spot for Arsenal. But we're not going to give a motivational edge. Because Man City, it's also a must-win for them. They're only four points ahead of Leicester in second, and they want to finish in second. First of all, for that prize money, but second of all, to guarantee that Champions League spot next year. And third of all, I guarantee you Pep Guardiola hates the fact that they're already out losing to Liverpool. He doesn't want to finish behind Leicester City or Chelsea in the table. Okay, So even though Arsenal needs these next couple games, Man City does too, and I don't expect any lax behavior or approach from either team. So like I said, uh, before the lockdown, Ar- looking at the matchup now, uh, but before the lockdown, Arsenal was really hot and Man City was cooling off. Man City was, I think, two and three in their last five games. Man City needed the break, tighten things up, adjust that scheme, get their players healthy, and Arsenal frankly just didn't. Now looking at the last 10 matchups between these two teams, they've played 10 times the last five seasons. And the reason I'm looking back five years 10 games is because those were largely the same teams. Once you go back, you know, 
10, 15 years, it's completely different soccer, completely different teams. It's not, it's not worth it in the data to even do that. Okay, so the last 10 times they played over the last five seasons, Man City has won seven, drawn two, and only lost one. And that only loss was in the FA Cup, where Man City started a lot of backups. Arsenal simply just doesn't match up well with Man City. Arsenal does well against teams who are, are not very well organized, who give up breaks, and who don't need possession. Man City doesn't fit into any of those categories. Man City also knows Arsenal very well and is able to handle their attacking. Arsenal actually holds the ball. When you look at possession, Arsenal holds the ball more than almost any other team against Man City, but the issue is they don't do anything with it. The last five games, Man City has outscored Arsenal in their last five matchups, okay? So the last five times Man City and Arsenal played, Man City has outscored Arsenal 14-3. And by the way, three of those five games were at Arsenal. It's just a horrible matchup for, for, for Arsenal. And I think Man City dominates midfield. They don't let Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang get comfortable up top. And keep in mind, Man City is bringing back a full healthy squad. They can sub five players. I just don't think the distractions are enough to keep me off Man City, to make me say, you know, let's not bet on them yet. Once the appeal's over, maybe we can see how it's affecting the players. But right now, it's not nearly enough to keep me off of Man City. So no edge for motivation. You've got Pep Guardiola looking to finish the season very strong. Both teams fighting for positions here. So my lean in this game is going to be a halftime full-time bet where you can predict both what will happen at halftime and full-time. I like Man City halftime. So Man City to be leading at halftime and Man City to win. That currently is minus 105. Again, the first half has had a lot to do with Man City's success. The last couple games, they always get off to a quick start against Arsenal. It's not like it's a slow start. These teams get to know each other and then they break out. Man City scores and they score quickly when they play this team. So I'll take Man City to be leading at halftime and Man City to win the game at minus 105. Well, that does, that uh, does it for today's podcast. I, like I said, we will break down these games coming up on Saturday in depth as well. But today, we just took a, an opportunity to go in depth for tomorrow, both games. That's how I feel about all four teams. And those are my two leans for tomorrow. Premier League's back. Get excited. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player.